Welcome to the audio-only version of this week's pop-up submission show. I hope you enjoy it. We love you to join us for the live show on YouTube every Sunday at 5pm UK time. YouTube.com slash Litopia. Oh yes, the future is now, indeed. I happen to have seen it, and this is what it looks like. Hey Johnny, how about you and I do a podcast? We're both writers, so we'll do a show featuring short stories from the Flash Club. Sounds like a plan. Just ten minutes every week, people grab a cup of coffee and tune in. We'll call it Short Story Hunters. Fancy doing it? Love to. Coming soon, Short Story Hunters, written in a flash by you. Yeah, I was lucky enough to um, to catch the preview. The first episode, I think it's probably going to be out this week, actually. Um, and it's brilliant. It's better, unreasonably better than you might have expected. Only 10 minutes. Um, subscribe to it. You can subscribe now. All links are up there. You can get it Spotify and iTunes and all the rest of it. Um, and I think you'll be in for a complete treat. Wow. All the way from New Zealand, nearly at the speed of light, it's fantasy SF and horror writer Lee Murray. He's a thespian, a grammarian, and a luminary Litopian too. It's Jeff Sullivan. Hello, Lee. It's excellent to see you. Last time we saw you was early in January. Uh, what's changed since then? How's your life been? <coughs> Oh, what's changed since then? Oh, my, the daughter has decided to get married, so we're frantically oh. organising that for September and oh planning, word. trying to plan around COVID and yeah. other things. So that's what's yeah. happened down here. We're um, not getting our... We haven't got any shots yet. Nobody's got any shots, so we're hanging in there. And, um, oh, since since I last saw you... Um, I have uh, two two nominations for the Bram Stoker Awards, so that's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah? Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Two nominations of Bram yeah. Stoker Award. That's so good. That's the coolest thing. And I happen to know just a, just a slight smattering of, um, of earthquakes as well, but we don't talk about that because oh. you're, you're New yes, Zealander. You yes. can take it. You're tough. You're tough. Uh, you've well, got actually, a- that's our biggest fear. It definitely is, I think, down here in New Zealand, the shaky isles, definitely. Yeah, yeah. more than COVID, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, mm. more than COVID. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, well, in fact, in- they said, go climb on, go get up on a mountain away from the tsunami and don't worry mm. about COVID. That's what they right. said. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, in between earthquake dodging and um, uh, paying for vastly expensive uh, family weddings, have you got a book recommendation <laughs> for us? Yes, yes. I want to recommend um, Isabel Yap's Never Have I Ever. Can you see that on yeah, my screen? Oh, no, can, right, you've yeah. got it. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, it's a collection of 13 stories by a Filipino writer. She has absolutely beautiful dark fiction, mm. um, stunning, stunning prose. It includes a lot of Filipino monsters. Uh, definitely, it's her debut collection. It's, she's she's definitely an author to watch. Um, and especially now with the, all the sort of unrest in the United States around yeah. Asian hate, um, oh, yeah. you know, I think it's time to be discovering some of these Asian writers and, and what, what 
special things they have to offer and just yeah. to give a bit more insight into that, yeah. that life. Yeah, totally that understand life. that. So, so, so for mm. somebody who's never come across before, if you were to compare Isabel to somebody else, if you like this, you like that sort of thing, what would you say? Oh, that is really tricky because there's yeah. not a lot in this space. Um, but I guess if you like Tori Eldridge's work, um, you know, oh, yeah. that's which is quite different, but it still has that sort of Asian-American sort of feel. Um, just that different insight. I think it's the book to read after Black Crane's Tales of Unquiet Women. It. So there Fantastic. you go. That's Great positioning. Thank you so much, Lee. And same for you, really, Jeff. We want to know if you've been okay and how life is generally. Yeah, it's fine, actually. Working, that's it. And, you know, plodding through the, <laughs> the lockdown and things as best as we yeah. possibly can. But, yeah, fine. Well, it fine. is kind of seven days a week, actually, for me. And every day seems exactly yeah. the same. Every day is like um, Sunday, but you're working all the time. It's very strange. Very strange. Uh, a book recommendation, please, sir. Yes, I've got uh, Jean, uh, Jean de la Bleurie, um characters. Um, it's oh, my a, um, Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not like a novel or anything like that. It's really, he's a satirist from the 17th century France. And I just like the way he um, just sort of goes through what the, the, the time period there with the, 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 the way of life and oh. the people there, exactly. Satire, really, really. Sometimes it's quite savage as well. But it's very, very interesting the observations he makes. Very much a man of the common man, if you like, the man of the people, yeah. and he was quite against the, uh, like, I think the, it was the Sun King, was actually the, the uh, in, in charge of the, that particular time. So, yeah, it's, oh. very, it's very interesting, it's very some quite good, very good quotes on there. And, uh, you are a closet classicist, actually, Jeff. It's not the first time you've recommended, yeah. something, recommended something not from this century. Exactly, I do tend yeah. to. Yeah, and Maple Song was my last one. I like, like the, fr- the French fr- French literature I quite like anyway, so uh, I spent some mm. time there, so... Good. Good. Excellent. Two radically different, but I think very good recommendations there. You can see Lee is slowly working herself up with some chemical stimulation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask a question of Jeff, actually. Go on. um, I was just wondering if that was in translation and if he's a satirist, do those those things translate? well, I've never, I've, 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 I've speak a bit of French there, but I've never actually read the French version. I only, I only got the English version. Yes, it is. It's translated from from French. So uh, I think it's a number of languages. Okay. But, uh, I don't know. I've never come. I've only, that's a good point, actually. Nobody just looks at the, the French version against the, the English version. So I think that's to do. Yeah, well, as a satire. Well, I need to get it. Um, I do read in French, so maybe that's my next read. So thank you for that recommendation. Constantly learn new things about Lee. Constantly impressed. She was a. <laughs> she was. A, I'm going to. I'm going to get this awfully wrong now. You're not. You weren't a ruminant, were you? What? No, ruminant <laughs> physiologist. That's what I was. Yes, a, a research scientist. That's pretty cool. All right, that's great. Um, okay, let's. Uh, what else can you say? That's great. I was a ruminant physiologist. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, slightly more on beam here from Chris. Oh, look at this. Uh, not being a writer, says Chris. This is feedback for us. And and yet, having read the Big Red Writer's book cover to cover, I cannot under understate just how valuable my pop up has been for me. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate that very nice to get reviews um good or bad actually if it wasn't good for you let us know and if it was good and if it does lead on to other things greater things let us know too our first submission of the day there's much more to tell you but let's get stuck into the first submission it's thinner than water uh the genre is commercial fiction slash reading group it's from Marin. very very short sharp and to the point blurb here from Marin. sociopaths walk amongst us 
every day masquerading as empathetic functioning members of society but how do they get away with it and what if one of them is your sister hmm a promising premise i think let me tell you about uh, maron in terms of who i am says maron i spent decades as a corporate writer initially in public relations and then with my own business advising law firms two years ago i decided enough was enough and i like that <laughs> uh, and um, 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 um oh gosh and enrolled in the first of three short writing courses thinner than water is the result it was inspired by my observations of people i believe to be sociopaths but not the high profile psychopaths that dominate news headlines I find everyday sociopaths far more intriguing, the ones that are smart enough to manipulate those around them and get away with it time after time, even when their actions are fatal. That sounds interesting. What we want is a nice forensic reading. I think we should ask Ali. The first page. Thinner Than Water by Merrin, read by Alison. When people show you who they really are, believe them. The first time. Maya Angelou. One. That day, 25 years ago. The air was so still, the girl couldn't feel a breath of it on her skin. Instead, she felt the heat pressing down on her body, weighing on her like a blanket as she lay alone by the pool. Her eyes were closed against the glare, but it wasn't enough to stop the sting of the sun. She bent an arm across her face and immediately felt the tender skin on her forearms start to scorch. She left it where it was. All around her, the unending screech of the cicadas filled the trees, the sound of black princes and yellow Mondays seeping into her bones and vibrating in her skull, a deafening wall of noise. She shifted her arm to blunt the sound, covering one ear with her shoulder and the other with her outstretched hand. Pointless. The girl opened her mouth and took a deep breath, hoping for relief. But instead she felt the stifling heat expand inside her, taking up space in her lungs where the air should have given her at least a little respite. She was melting. Soon, she thought, she would melt into the towel beneath her, and together she and the towel would melt into the paving, and then she'd be gone. Now her attention turned to her belly, where the sun lay delicately on the pale yellow of her thin swimsuit, but pierced sharply through the design in heavy green. Beneath the green, her skin was searing. If she didn't move, maybe the pattern would burn forever onto her, a tattoo to remember the day. She pulled the fabric away from her skin and held it while she sat up and shuffled one leg at a time to the edge of the pool. Since her birthday, Mum had said she was old enough to swim on her own, but she still rarely let her out of her sight. These minutes alone were special. Her own time before the looming chaos that would inevitably ensue on the boat this afternoon. In her family, four people felt like a rioting crowd when forced to squish onto their little yacht, scrambling around each other like cockroaches in a cage as they tacked from side to side. The boat, the boat, the bloody boat. The girl glanced back to the house, squinting in the sun to focus, searching the windows to see if she was still on her own. At first, the kitchen glass was empty, save for the reflection of gum trees and endless blue sky. Briefly then, her sister's pinched little face, identical to her own, came into view before she disappeared, uninterested, into the shadow of the room behind her. 
A swim would kill two birds with one stone, helping to escape the noise and the heat. But to do that, she first had to fix the thing in the pool. Standing, she walked the metre or so towards it, bending over and peering, tilting her head to get a better look. It had been there a while, lying on its side, one milky eye staring along the surface of the water, the other submerged. It drifted, its mouth open, the lips pulled back to expose the edge of sharp, rat-like teeth. The possum's black, bushy tail was soaked and ragged, and a reddish fluid oozed across its matted grey fur. She contemplated swimming with a body, but decided she didn't want that blight on her day. She should get Dad. He'd love to do the manly deed for his little girl. But that would take time, and quite frankly, she couldn't be asked, as her sister would say. A furtive glance at the window. Then she dropped to her knees and reached out to grab the animal by the tail, plucking it out of the water in one swift movement. It dripped and leaked as she carried it head down to her mother's favourite azalea hedge and chucked it under the thickest bush. Walking back to the pool, she bent down to the water and washed the slime off her hands. She was pleased. Crystal clear water spread out before her, unsullied. Nothing was going to get in her way. All right, so chat room generally well disposed towards that, I think. Um, several people have accused it of being a prologue. <laughs> it does feel a bit like a prologue. Um, all that italics. I'm not wild about italics. Um... But generally speaking, I think people are pretty impressed, actually. Let's go straight to you, Lee. First reactions. Oh, that, that, um, first of all, the reading. Ali, fantastic reading. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, that, that little, um, blurb, the, the, uh, the back cover copy was fantastic. I mean, mm. I really felt drawn in by that. And so it was going to be hard to, um, you really had to follow through. That, that was, that's the trick when you have such a tight little, um, tight little blurb. So I'm going to say that I actually really loved this. I think there's a problem with the girl because when we're automatically not in her head, it's automatically omniscient and we're not really in her head. And if she's a sociopath, I want to be in her head and knowing what she's thinking. So give mm. her a name. And I think the other thing is there's the prose is beautiful. It's absolutely lovely. It's just full of filters and get us in her head so we know this we're starting to understand the psychopath or sociopath um and i think that you're away i think it's a beautiful piece of writing otherwise yeah now you were assuming and we don't know that the girl is the um the uh, sociopath we don't know that yeah. it could be the well, father well, father well, we don't mentioned. know that yeah. That's true, but just the fact that they're enjoying this, this moving this thing out of the yes. pool is yeah, it's a that bit, lovely bit of a pointer, description isn't it? Yeah. suggests to me. So, yeah. um, in, in any case, I think that's what I would do. Doesn't matter which sister it is. I still think we need to be in in the head of of that yes. of that girl. Okay, okay. So I think I think that we've made a generally positive impression here on Lee. So let's let's push at the open door. How many points are you going to give this out of five? Uh, which which end is it? One to five. Five one, is the top. Is, I'll have, I'm going to give it a. F one is not. We're not no, going to follow one is through. Super double plus unbad. <laughs> so, so no, no, super double plus bad. I'm, I'm getting my Orwellian terms uh, okay. uh, confused. Five is <laughs> so, amazing. So five is yeah. A five is amazing, and I think yeah, I'd probably give this a five actually. Wow. <laughs> 
I love it when we start uh, like that. It's a great way to start the show, five points. However, Jeff. <laughs> However. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I really enjoyed it. Leo, so it was well, very well written. It was uh, flowed very, very well. It's very good descriptions in there. It was engaging. It pulled me in a bit. The only thing I found, I was worth waiting for something to happen. It seemed to be very good, very clear and everything else. But just a little tip, you know, of what's going to happen next. So that's why I was waiting well, you've got for. got a dead raccoon being dragged around. What, or whatever, sort of some sort of animal, um, wet animal being dragged around. Is that, is that not enough for you? Do you want more? And more. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I thought okay, perhaps a hook at the end of it as well would have been a good idea. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good and very well yeah. written. Yeah. All right. Numbers? I'm going five as well. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Oh, my word. Yes. Well, indeed. I, um, I, it's sticking with me, actually. It's sticking in my head. Um, which a lot of submissions don't do, but this one is actually, it's made a little place in my head, and I actually do want to know more about it. Um, mm. I thought it was very poetical, uh, confident writing, very strong, confident writing. Absorbing, I do, I want to know what happens next. Um, my reservation, two reservations, first of all, um, it's, it's just a lot of, lot of italics. I mean, that is a small point, but it's a significant point, arguably, in terms of presentation. The other thing is more important. Is it a commercial package? Um, we don't know where it's going to go. Um, we might, you know, hopefully not. We might have seen the best and the strongest writing of the whole manuscript already. Hopefully not. Um, can I turn it into something that publishers will kill each other, climb over each other to get? I don't know, because we don't really know from the blurb where it's going to go. So mm. with those reservations, I'm going to go for. That's a stonkingly good beginning. Actually, yeah, yeah, Marin, you've done really well there. Let's just see if all the numbers. I'm very curious to know what the charium done. The charium has also given it four. So let's just stick with it for a moment. Jeff's given it a five. Well, that will be. Let's watch it happen in real life. Okay, that's sixty-five. Jeff's number is not showing at the moment. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, it looks like we've got a slight technical issue on that, but it will fix. Oh, there it goes. Ninety percent, Marin. Jesus. 90%. And I don't think we've started the show like that. Not for a very long time, at least. Ah, uh, it's quite something to beat, isn't it? Let's, um, let me just... Mm. Let me move us on now to the next submission. Oh, here we go. Wow, I'm still a, kind of a bit staggered by that, actually. What Lies Beneath? That's a title I know before. What Lies Beneath? Epic Fantasy by Michael. Hello, Michael. Um, I'll read you Michael's blurb, but my mind is still slightly with uh, Merrin's, actually. Michael, I'm focusing really hard on yours. Mystery, betrayal and darkness. Dare you to follow the path of the shadows. Seek out the lost crowns of old and face an adversary who knows every move before you even think of it. For even in the midst of such turbulent times and intense chaos, there lies mysteries beyond the realm known to man. I'm just just slightly thrown by that. There lies mysteries, okay, beyond the realm known to man. For the empty throne calls for its successor, and it will not be left untarnished. 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's what I was. It absolutely is. That's exactly what it is. And it's kind of thing. It's probably a classic. Actually, it's one of his non-sort of Spielbergian classic films. Very few of those. Um, let me talk about Michael. For much of my life, I've idolised the works of fantasy storytelling. Over the years since I was a young boy, watching and reading the works of Tolkien, I became hooked into a world far different than the one I currently live in. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, orcs? <laughs> We've got enough problems at the moment with COVID. So I don't want orcs. <laughs> uh, I'm the father to a beautiful son and daughter. To which you will find me most days enjoying time with them creating fantasy worlds. One day, I hope that I can show them that no matter where you come from or what your joys in life are, that if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Nice, positive philosophy life there. Let's ask our resident positician. Just create a new word there in the illogism for you live on YouTube. Uh, Jeff, to read it. What Lies Beneath by Michael, read by Jeff. The horrifying gasp of breath was long, arduous. A dull throb pressed from the inside of his head, promptly making him groan. As he raised his dirt-laden hand to reach up and tenderly caress his bruised forehead, it felt as though every bone in his body had fractured. He felt neither here nor there, spit between past and present as encroaching morning sun-drenched him with his embracing rays. The young man glanced around his surroundings. Dawn was breaking through the sky, shimmering with a blood-red hue. The crisp, cold air of the night was slowly relinquishing its hold as the faint rays of the sun warmed against his skin. It was early still, yet the night was dissipating around him. The reek of death and blood filled his nostrils. Even in the fresh morning air, it proved to be foul and overbearing. As far as his eyes could see, through the thick smoke and early fog, lay the burning remains of carriage man and beast. Much of the land had become bogged down and filled with a dense marsh. Though some appeared to be shallow, others had become suspiciously deep. It was then the story unfolded, for the stench of death only ever follows those who bathe in its evil deeds. The sight of an ungodly slaughter had stained the ground thick with blood and the charred ashen remains of what had fallen. Cinders lay where carriages and barricades had once stood, littered between them were the corpses of the victims of such barbarism. Bodies mutilated, strung and burnt, whoever orchestrated such savagery was well versed in its song. The lone survivor pulled his hands close to his chest, trembling with cold and fear, grasping at every ounce of warmth he could muster. It took a few attempts to bring himself to his feet, for the ground was sodden, toppling over marsh and bodies alike. He stumbled against the foot of the dark and treacherous wind, grasping at whatever he could anchor himself down with. The day appears to be dawning, he croaked, a gentle voice hoarse with dehydration that left his throat dry and cracked. It would appear a storm is brewing, the air has dropped and the skies follow with grey winds. He looked around to find himself truly alone, without company. And who is it I speak to? He mumbled. Yet, more importantly, how did I come to be? How did I get here? He whispered slowly to the wind, as though it would hear his plight and spring upon him. But alas, it did not. The ground was a difficult terrain. Such excess of blood and dew had trampled the earth into a slurry. 
Many of the surrounding bodies had sunk deep into its red, murky clutches, littering the fields with a stench that could not be resisted, only accepted. A boy, no younger than himself, lay at his feet, left to rot and wither as though never to have existed. It was difficult to tell enemy for enemy amongst the carnage, but it was most likely littered with women, children and the elderly. A few armour-clad warriors came into view here and there, immersed by the morning fog, yet death had already claimed them. He crouched down to better observe the warriors. Two symbols could be made out across the dirt-laden gambesons and plate. On one there lay two winding serpents, ascending a broken spear. The other, a phoenix bound in flight, a sword grasped in its talons. Is there anyone out there? croaked the young man. Neither the smoke nor smell of blood helped his throat as it choked him. His voice echoed amongst the dead, bouncing across the water and returning as though someone out there was repeating his words. The silence in the air drew across his skin, prickling his flesh in a sombre sadness, for not even the dead would speak of what happened so recently. What remained of the surroundings he could make out to be an encampment of sorts, nestled beside a gentle stream. The hulky mass of burnt woods and the singed fabric was all that remained of the tents, carriages and posts. Such death and destruction, he mustered. Who would wish to inflict such horrors? Yeah, so I'm just looking at Lex's comment there. He knows a thing or two about this. Uh, this is ambitious, he says, but right from paragraph one, we have telling and not showing. And also, if he descriptors dirt laden, his hands had so much dirt on it, he could barely lift it. Yeah, I yikes, he says, I want to like this. Um, you could possibly say the same about Tolkien, though, actually. Jeff, you, you read that? You got inside it? You have yeah, intimate knowledge of it? I didn't realise that it's going to be on the same show I was going to be on, so... Oh, yeah, that's how the um, cookie crumbles. But it's always, it's always good. You know what? It's, it's always really good to hear from the narrator because they, they know it intimately, you know. I mean, all our narrators try to yeah. do the best they can. They are the advocates for the author. So it's always interesting to hear from them. What did you think? <sighs> I think it's good. I, I, I did actually quite like it, the reading itself, um, the actual words themselves. I thought it, was, it got too much immersed in blood and guts, but so it, was a bit, it was a bit full on all the time, constantly talking about it. I think that could have been much, that could have been shortened. I would like to have known a little bit about him, because all I've got is a few words that he spoke. Um, where did he come from? Why was he there? And then he, he asked that question, why am I here? But where did he come from? Was it an accident? Was he transported there for some reason? Those are the sort of questions I think. So it at the end, I was still, you know, we were still going for the blood and gut stuff as well, and I didn't really get get those answers. Um, I thought there was a voice there, though. I did think there was a voice. I think it was quite uh, that's clear from, from what the words were said. But um, it just needed that, I think, much more about him rather than what he was looking at surrounding. Okay. All right. So numbers, please. A three for that one. Thank you very much, Jeff Lee. Um, Jeff, I think you could have a new career as a podcaster or a um, as an audiobook reader because that was beautifully read it really was it's a lovely speaking voice um, yeah I didn't know what this was going to be about I mean there's you know there's an empty throne and someone needs to fill it but we have no idea from the blurb who the protagonist is and you know um, we're just, we just we don't know who we're following whose story is this it's just our world and chaos and some throne to to fill so I'm a little bit confused about I mean clearly it's fantasy but I just 
apart from that, I know very little. And then we're thrown into this first scene where we we don't know who the protagonist is, apart from he's a young boy or mm. young. How's how old is young? Is he is he a very you know? And and he's the lone survivor of some something. Um, so how does he feel? It's just this looking, but not the, the, is he injured? I just, I'm missing, there's some absolutely wonderful, um, dark description. I love that excess of blood and Drew trampled the earth into a slurry, but otherwise I'm completely disconnected. It's just, I'm seeing this thing, this, this scene and I'm the, and nothing's happening and I don't know who this person is so it's hard to feel connected to the story so I think Michael it needs just a little bit of work on that and just getting us into the story and who your protagonist is and 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 you know um, and why they're there I think we need to get there quicker we, we've you've done a good job of setting this horrible scene but um, but why you know and why should we care yeah absolutely right and uh, a very thoughtful message i think from lex we've only got two lines at the bottom of it, but i can see the third one lex says i really believe in positive feedback and const constructive criticism so I'll, I'll go with this i really see the intent and vision here the writer wants to set a scene and really gives us a story and setting with lots of detail but there's work to be done on how that's delivered don't stop singing change your song that's good advice michael i think that um it, it yeah, it Come is. And also, the other thing is that Michael says he's been reading and he's been talking about fantasy with his children, and I just think anyone who is inspiring children yeah. with a love of fantasy needs to carry on and yeah. uh, needs to be yeah. encouraged. So, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm going to have to uh, pick on the elephant in the room here. Um, that title... Uh, Michael is a is a classic title. Uh, we've kind of already worked that out in the in the in the chat room, the genius room, and f find something else. I think you know you're you're actually impinging on on somebody else's. Uh, I won't say IP because there's there really there's no usually there's no sort of um, protectable rights in a trademark, but um, it's too strongly associative of something else. You've got to have your own original title. Um, Definitely some talent, Michael, we have straight in from YouTube. You need to trim down, go easy on the adjectives and adverbs and clarify your protagonist, but don't be put off. You've got a strong visual and dramatic sense. That is so true. And I'm just thinking, because I've done a little bit of Warhammer reading, I've read much worse, much worse in, in Warhammer. But I... <laughs> You know, and, the, and they sell some books, Warhammer does. Um, I think, Michael, um, you just, you've got to learn some tricks, mate, basically. It's a few basic tricks there, and um, you will find that things improve enormously. Now, Lee, did we get a number from you? No, but I think I'm going to agree with Jeff and say three. Three, okay. That is encouraging. I'm, I can only uh, react to what I see in front of me. Uh, title's got to be changed, and it's slightly generic at the moment, so... Oh. Sorry about that, and I think possibly, I think possibly, that is the way that the, the chat room's feeling. Let's see. Yeah, they did go for a two. They did go for a two. So I've just gone for a two, so I can't work that out. But if we stick around for a few seconds, we'll find out. There you go, automatically. 50%, not bad. You can be pleased with that, Michael. Should we squeeze one more in? And then I, uh, I, I feel a desperate need, actually, to to talk to Lee, actually. Yeah, so what's next? What are we gonna see next? This is what we're gonna see next. It's from Jefferson. It's a thriller. And it's called Pretty Green Eyes. 
former Seattle detective Catherine Bayer still struggles with the trauma of being held prisoner by the notorious Eastside slasher five years ago. After a nervous breakdown, she moves to Spain and thinks she's finally escaped her past when a, a woman is found murdered with Beatles' name in her pocket. And a killer who is mimicking the Eastside slasher too well. Beetle finds herself accused of murder and on the run, wondering if it's possible the Eastside slasher has come for her. I bet he has. Or she. Or who knows. Do slashers have a personal pronoun indeed? Think about that. Um, let me tell you about Jefferson. I'm an American author who spent 15 long years working in the film industry in Los Angeles as a writer and director before coming to Spain five years ago with my wife and young son. I fell in love with the beauty and exotic Mediterranean flavour of its landscapes and people and realised very few English-language authors were exploiting this country as a dramatic backdrop. I think that's true, and I think you've seen a gap in the market. Since then, I've self-published three novels and a historical murder mystery series set in 17th century Spain. Pretty Green Eyes is the first in a new series of thrillers set in present-day Spain. How contemporary? We need a contemporary reading. You can't get much more contemporary than Kate. Pretty page. Green Eyes by Jefferson. Read by Kate. Chapter 1. The roar of the engine, her only warning. Tyres skidding over gravel, a hard punch to her kidneys. Suddenly, she was in the air. The pavement hit her in the right cheekbone. Something cracked, her mouth filled with blood. But the pain was in her midsection. It hurt to breathe. She panicked. She worried she would never get her breath back. The sound of a car door shutting, feet grinding over gravel toward her. Are you okay? The driver was English, their voice high-pitched, tempting to think it was a woman. But it was rougher than that, as if from a life spent shouting or too many cigarettes, something impossible to tell for sure. Not your usual tourist in Spain. She tried to flatten out her body. She needed to take the weight off her lungs. She rolled onto her back. Much better. But she was shaking. She couldn't stop shaking. I think you're going into shock. Let me get my phone. The driver was strangely calm. No introductions, no asking what she wanted to do, no concern about whether she spoke English. The driver disappeared. Now, nothing but blue sky. It was mid-afternoon, the warmest part of the day. Hot sun blasted on her face. Her ears still rang from the impact. The road was quiet, no other cars approaching, no sign of the bus connection she had been waiting for. She cursed Alsa. Their buses were always late. She had spent half her young life waiting for them in desolate places like this. I don't have a signal, the driver declared. Me, me phone, she said. Her words gargled with the blood in the back of her throat. She gestured to where her mobile lay on the ground, near where she'd been staring at it before the accident. The driver snatched it, poked it with his thumb. It's broken. I can take you to the hospital. I know where it is. No wait for a reply. Just hands thrust under her armpits. She was pulled to her feet. She cried out. 
It hurt so much. She needed a moment to catch her breath. The driver didn't relent. He dragged her to the car, threw her into the back seat. No regard given to her pain. Something was wrong. She tried to sit up, to get to the door. The driver grabbed her hand. It was slender like a woman's. But it was impossible to be sure. It could have been a teenage boy's, scarred and beaten, a hard life. And those piercing eyes, they made her freeze. Stop fighting, I'm trying to help. There was no warmth to the voice, no remorse. The words just simple commands. The driver let go, moved into the front seat, started the car, and suddenly they were driving. Her boyfriend, she had to call her boyfriend. Ignacio would know what to do. What had the driver done with her phone? The scenery outside was just a blur. They were going too fast. And the landscape, it was all wrong. The hospital was in the city. There should be buildings, fences, other cars, pedestrians. Instead, there was vast, open countryside. Rows of olive trees. They were heading north, away from help. Hey, 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 she gurgled, slapping the driver on the shoulder to get their attention. The car swerved. The wheels dropped suddenly, bounced violently. They were off the asphalt, racing down an unpaved access road, deeper into the vast rows of olive trees. The highway disappeared behind them. They were alone. The panic came now, her instincts screaming she was in trouble. The car slid to a stop. The driver hopped out. She clawed at the handle to get out before him, to get away. But the driver was too quick. He ripped the door open, pulled her out by the armpits again. She screamed, tried to fight her way out of his iron grip. Then her hands slapped onto the bare earth. In front of her was a grave. A single shovel left standing upright in a pile of freshly dug soil. And that is never a good sign. Never. Um, <laughs> no. um, so Johnny says, chat room is interestingly kind of split a bit. Johnny says, I'm trying to get engaged, but it's a struggle. Vicky says, I like the storyline. I'm curious and anxious for the protagonist. I agree. I am too, actually. And that's my great concern that this is just a two-dimensional sacrificial character. Lee, you're the, the past mistress of all this. First reactions. Um, yes, um, I definitely can see that Jefferson has been a screenwriter in the past. He's got that very economical style of writing and those short sort of punchy sentences and fragments that you use for high action scenes. Um, so we definitely get that feel, that high sort of action int intensity. Um, definitely so so well done there. Um, I think there's I think there's uh, a, a little bit of um, mis uh, a little bit of stuff that can be trimmed, like um, the, the buses and stuff like that. And this idea of the Spanish backdrop, I didn't really get it. Apart from some olive trees, this could have been, I think, anywhere. And a couple of, 
you know, a couple of small things, but not really. I'm not. I wasn't getting that feel. And obviously, this is a high. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I really, I really like it. I want to know. And there was a, there was that words gargling with blood in the back of her throat. I mean, you know, I like a bit of horror, so that really appealed to me. (laughs) Um, Good. (laughs) I think this has lots of potential. We need to go back to that blurb and fix the. We didn't know who Beetle was, and it was a little confusing there. So we just need to put those. That name, yeah, that, that yeah. N- I think it's the, the nickname of the main protagonist. We just need that in brackets so that we know clearly from the outset that that's who yeah. it is. But, yeah, Catherine um, Otherwise, Beetle I Bayer. think it's intriguing. Okay, intriguing, yes, good. Exactly. All right, well, yeah, and another positive, strong, strongly positive reaction there from Lee. So let's, um, let's push our advantage while we can. Give us a number. I think I'll give it a four. Whoa! It's going to be a high scoring show today, isn't it? Hey, starting off with 90. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a four from uh, YouTube. Can't add that in, unfortunately. We can't. What we do is we average the, the vote in the chat room. So we'll see what they say in a minute. But meanwhile, Jeff. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it was a good, a good um, a submission. Um, I did get um, a little bit confused part of the way there, which because she seems to be very badly injured, but she suddenly starts talking about the buses and things. I'll be standing here for the bus, you know, the bus coming along there. <sighs> um, it's a room to go into it. It's be, don't, that's not the first thing you think about when somebody's trying to kidnap you. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was the, <laughs> the, definitely a voice there. Um, I thought it's a little bit difficult to read, though. It seems to be one, lots of one lines. You know, it yeah. seems to flow very well. And just on the screen there, if I was reading that, I, I think I would get after a while, I have an old eyes, if you like, I'd get those, my eyes would get tired of reading it. But um, the structure was part of it. But yeah, there was, was a good voice there. I love, I love the ending, I must admit, that thing about the speed and the, by the grave oh, yeah. sort of thing. That really yeah. caught me. That was, that was a bit, after all of it, bang, it got me the last bit. But uh, yeah, it was yeah. good though. Okay. And the number would be? I'm a three for this one. Yeah. I think that seems to be the uh, general reaction in the chat room. We'll find out in a moment. Um, I thought it was very effective, actually. Uh, Jefferson, yeah, it's commercial writing. Um, nicely menacing. I felt quite menaced. And like, I think it was Vicky, wasn't it? I think it was Vicky who said in, in the chat room um, she was concerned for the, the victim. I'm concerned of the victim, too. I've often seen submissions that do start like this. And... Um, you do you do start to identify with the victim, and then they they die horribly, <laughs> and you and it kind of depresses you actually. You think, oh really? And then then the book starts properly, and you know you realise, oh, that's just a prologue. And actually, by the you know you've kind of made emotional investment, and you start, oh, I don't know if I, I don't know. So I'm going, oh, let's read something else now. So it's it's a very common thing to happen. People write prologues like that, and. The, 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 you know, in, inevitably, they're just two-dimensional, if that, characters, and they're only there to die. And if you do happen to sort of, you know, invest in them, too bloody bad luck, really. So that that's my concern. Um, I would like her to live, actually, and I'd like um, I'd like her to, you know, to fight back. Um, series concept, possibly, yes. I totally agree. The the Spanish thing hasn't been done, so I'm all on, on board with that. But with those reservations, I'm going to go through this well. Let's see what the chat room has said. Yeah, they've gone for three. They've gone for three. When my three is added up, you'll see in a moment. Yes, you will, you will, I promise you will. Yeah, there we go, 65. 
Not bad, Jefferson. Still got that towering 90% of the beginning, though. That's going to be really quite difficult to uh, to tackle. I'll tell you what, let's find out a little bit more about uh, Lee, shall we? I just found out something very interesting about her a few moments ago, that she used to be a, a ruminant physiologist. Is, have I got that right, Still? <laughs> Is it physiology? Yeah. Or, yeah? Or, or, yes. Or, or, yes. Or was it, was it a masseur? I'm not sure. <laughs> I also have a yes actually that's really interesting I do have a, a diploma in massage therapy from the oh, United no. States from when I oh, lived there oh I read your mind yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> wow multi-talented multi-functional device you are wow uh, um, here we go Lee Murray she tweets like everybody else but unlike everybody else she writes oh gosh what does she write I don't know, I can tell you, really. Look, here's, here's the Amazon page. Uh, let's look at, um, let's look at the, uh, the uh, book bub page, because that's slightly more informative. How many books have you written? Oh, God. Don't ask me that. Um, 16 anthologies and, um, oh. and maybe 10 books, maybe 12 books. I can't remember. Yes. So um, these I can't ones remember. I'm looking see. at my bookshelf to sort of oh, count them. <laughs> desperately. Somebody help me, please. Somebody stop me writing. <laughs> Shoot me or I'll write another. <laughs> oh, dear. So are these anthologies here? Hellhole, uh, Hounds of the Underworld, Black Cranes, that is, I know. Grotesque Monster no, Stories. Um, Hell, it's weird, interesting what they've put up there. So Hellhole mm. is an anthology that, that uh, was a Bram Stoker nominee. Hounds of the Underworld is a collaborative novel, one of a series uh, called The Path of Ra series, which is uh, supernatural crime noir, and I write that with Dan Raybarts. Black Cranes and Grotesque are on this year's Bram Stoker finals yeah. um black cranes is an anthology of um of dark tales by um women of um, asian descent and grotesque is my debut's uh debut short story collection so well, there you well, go. at least you remember you remember that is, that's impressive um yeah relics, <laughs> we've got all these others relics weird uh, the, weird um, tales, weird tales. I'm the first New Zealander to ever get in an issue of Weird Tales, so that is just massive. It's huge for me. Uh, issue number three six four. Yeah, yeah, favourite number. Very exciting. Um, so, uh, fantasy, science fiction, horror. Where does your heart lie? Is it horror? Yeah, horror. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I think there's something about getting the demons, you know, written them on the page and sort of you can create some distance. And I suffer, I'm a sort of anxious piglet type. I suffer from a bit of depression. And so, yeah, horror is really helpful at sort of getting out those demons, putting them on the page and sort of taming them in some way. Yeah, passing them on to other people. You're, you're a horror super spider, <laughs> really, aren't you? How do you, how do you become, Something like that. How do you start, how do you start writing a horror scene? How do you start creeping us out? Where do, where do you begin? Ah, yeah, I guess that, that's that short sentences. If you're talking about technique, you know, if it, it's it's horror, you know, if you're talking about action horror, but I don't know. I think it's it's the actual monster. It's the actual it's the actual kernel of the idea. It's the concept. It's the delving into what scares you and what scares me. And they're sometimes quite different things. As like I said before, here in New Zealand, we're scared of 
volcanoes. You know, we're scared mm. of eruptions. We're scared of, you know, the, the ground shaking beneath us. So those are the kinds of things I mind. Eruptive and, and then if we're talking, yeah, and if we're talking about people, we're scared of, you know, what might happen to our kids and getting COVID. And so, you know, we create these monsters that, that, that basically represent those things. So, you know, zombie fiction is pandemic fiction, is it not? And, yeah, it really is, actually, um, yeah. You yeah. know, so... It's quite yeah, interesting what's happened during the course of this immensely long, at least in, in the UK, lockdown period, because it's been a year, you know, and, and oh, I was wondering if people would really like Escapist Horror to begin with, and apparently on Netflix, people were watching that uh, that plague film all the time, and now I yeah. think that's changed. I was talking to, you know, people just a few days ago in publishing, and, and they're kind of reading really lightweight stuff, actually, you know, lightweight Escapist mm. fiction, because it's all just getting a bit much now. What's happening yeah, down there? I, yeah, I don't know. Hey, yeah, New Zealand, we're not in the same situation. We no, don't have any COVID. So we've oh. really been, apart from Auckland's been in, back in a couple of little little lockdowns, the rest of us have just been prancing around the country living yeah. our lives. So I, I do, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's awful. We just, so you st- we're living survivors' guilt. Coming back to this, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm digress. I'm, I'm the mo- mo- most discursive person in the world. Um, coming back to the horror scene, right? So you st- you start with the monster. At what point do you fully reveal the monster? Is it up front or is it way down the manuscript somewhere? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's up front. Yeah. Mm. When it's mm. the right time for the story, Peter, come on. You know, it, there's no one way, is there? There's no one way to do anything. There's, you know, I, it's just when it's the right time for the story. What tells you when what tells you when it's the right time? Uh, I don't know, because that's that nebulous stuff that happens in creativity. <laughs> isn't, mm. that the, isn't that the case? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I mean, maybe you plan it and maybe you pants it, but it's that's the eureka moment, isn't it? When you yeah. when you decide those things, and sometimes there's I don't know sometimes when how that's going to turn out on the page. So. Do you freak yourself out sometimes? Is that is that how you know if a it's working? Little, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, look, I don't know if it were, look, I write what, what resonates for me and what feels, what feels, what gives me, it frightens me, what, what, you know, the, the things I want to explore. And if it resonates for someone else, that's great. Mm. You know, I, I don't, mm. I don't set out to, um, yeah, um, yeah, that's a tough one because is it art or is it a product? And, and the problem with literature is it has to be both, doesn't it? If you're going to sell it. Yeah. So, so I think it has to resonate for you first. You are the first reader of your works. If it doesn't resonate for you, it's not going to resonate for anyone else. Yeah. What's the most horrific thing that you've ever created that maybe have you lost sleep over? Um. Yeah. I think I think that sort of domestic abuse or that um, Mm. that you know sexual sexual abuse, those kinds mm. of things. And I don't, I'm not frightened of writing those things because I think they actually, they're the things that, that frighten us and scare yeah. us. And yeah, those, yeah. they still need to be investigated. But yeah, um, um, and again, as I say, in New Zealand, we're just, we're frightened of other things. We're frightened of the, mm. the ground opening and people dying and, and you know, these mass All catastrophes. And we, yes. you know, we're, yeah, we're, well, it isn't. It's actually in the moment here. It's, you know, like two weeks ago, 
you know, there was a big earthquake and everyone yeah. had to climb a mountain to get away from what tsunami. might be a massive yeah. tsunami. So yeah. it's, and, you know, I have spent nights on, you know, at 1 a.m. in the morning in my pajamas on mountains so that I mm. didn't drown. So, you know, um, wow. it's very real here. It's not, it's not ancient disaster. It's, it's, it's what we yeah. live here. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alexa says, how long is a piece of string? I know, I know, exactly, yeah. And obviously, I mean, you're, you're a writer who writes from, from the heart and from your own passion, aren't you, really? Yeah, I do. Mm. And I'm sort of right all over the place, which, so there's a lot of passion and a lot of, you know, heart. I think that's part of the problem. I quite haven't quite decided where I want to be. But I started writing Chicklet, to be honest, and oh. I realised that that wasn't where I wanted to be. I didn't, I needed something more substantial than wardrobe misfunctions and um you know and and cupcake deprivation and that sort of thing so i really i really wanted to write something that was more that was deeper i wanted to explore darker themes and so that's where i've gone and yeah yeah it seems to work for me i mean this is a bit about your psychology really but in your universe i mean do the dark forces prevail does randomness triumph are we sort of just okay so we're close to cthulhu in a way well Mm. that's a very european construct and down here in new zealand you know we have quite different cultures so but yes yes is the answer (laughs) (laughs) good all right thank you very much let's have two more submissions and then we'll see see where we stand this is betrayed it's from sam it's a mystery thriller and there's oh yeah there's a qr code there so you can go to whatever corner of the internet sam wants you to go to uh this is the blurb the captain of a submarine rescues a body that reminds him of his dead son he was murdered in london his killer never identified all he and his wife received were his ashes his wife never recovers from their son's death and dies of a broken heart Pulling the body from the sea forces him to look at his life. He realises he's been a pawn in someone else's game. What follows ends his and his girlfriend's careers and reveals a level of betrayal he could never have imagined. Okay, tell you about Sam. Sam Boyd lives in Thailand with his beautiful wife. Through his work, Sam started writing and after retiring from industry. This is his seventh novel. About to be published on Amazon KDP on the 31st of August. I suspect a plug is in order. Good. Thank you very much, Sam. We are going to ask Emily, please, to do her best. Betrayed by Sam. Read by Emily. Prologue. Seven years had passed since Captain Mikhail Sokolov pulled his lifeless body from the cold South Atlantic Ocean. The man's face reminded him of his son, Misha. Not that he needed reminding... He thought of him every day. Seeing the body floating just below the surface affected him. Sokolov had seen death many times, but the pale white face beneath the water was saying something to him. Why didn't you look for me? It was Misha's voice in his head. Sokolov never believed what they heard about his son's death, but was so conditioned to following orders he never questioned what his superiors told him. It was only in his last weeks of active service, before retiring to a desk job, He knew he should have asked more questions. The body, floating close to his submarine, stirred him. The face, staring back, was Misha's, questioning why he didn't try to find the truth of what had happened. 
Now, seven years later, sitting on the veranda of a cottage overlooking the Black Sea, that day in the South Atlantic was rushing through his mind like waves from a tsunami, pounding his head remorselessly, reminding him of his failure. He was close to tears as he whispered, I'm sorry I took so long to find the truth, but today, Misha, your honour will be restored, I promise you. Olga, his partner, shouted through the open kitchen window, interrupting his thoughts. Come inside, Mikhail, and have something to drink. It's far too hot for you to sit out there. He didn't move. He was enjoying the sunshine and thoughts of what he had planned. None of it was making him feel warm or thirsty. A few minutes later, Olga joined him, bringing a jug of lemonade and two glasses. Your mind is on what's happening today, isn't it, Mikhail? She said. Sitting across from the table from her, Sokolov nodded. I'll be glad when it's over and we can get on with the rest of our lives. This may be the rest of our lives. When the KGB finds out what we have done, they will hunt us down. Sokolov stared at her, trying to read it, what she was feeling. Are you sorry you came with me? he asked. Olga shook her head. There was no other choice. You couldn't live without knowing, and I couldn't live without you. Chapter 1 Blood was pumping from a wound on the right side of his chest, turning the white shirt crimson. Doyle heard the bullet as it flew close to him. Seamus Gallagher heard it too, but didn't see where it finished or who it hit. His line of sight blocked by Major Pendleton. At first, Seamus thought it struck the Marchioness of Uppingham. Doyle watched as she collapsed under the weight of the man who fell at her side. He winced as her head hit the concrete paving stones with a solid thump. Geordie MacNeil looked to where the shot came from, not who it struck. There was silence, everyone in the wedding party processing what had happened. Then panic and pandemonium broke loose, people running in all directions, scattering like frightened chickens, women screaming, men shouting out instructions. Everyone, take cover! There's a shooter out there! Seamus yelled as he tried to push a group into the house for safety. Doyle ushering other guests towards the open dining room doors. The day began well, with even the fickle English weather cooperating. A bright blue cloudless sky, warm sunshine and a gentle breeze from the west. Pamela Doyle, knee Harper, looked how she felt. Beautiful, radiant, contented. Standing next to her the two people she loved the most. On her right, her husband Doyle, in front standing between them, Natalie, his daughter. A photographer taking pictures of everything and everyone in the gardens of the Uffingham estate. The day before, Lord Jack Turner had given Pamela away, with Fiona Templeton and Natalie as her maids of honour. They were the only ones present to witness their wedding at the registry office in Shrewsbury. Fiona Templeton arranged today's reception at her magnificent ancestral home. Invitations sent to a few special guests. It was hers and fiancé, Lord Jack Turner's, wedding present. Security tight, with so many VIPs as guests. All right. Well, it's nice when you've got lots of VIP guests, I suppose, although they want a lot of champagne. Um, just looking at the chat room, the genius room, fairly critical comments, I think... Yeah, it's a prologue. Mm. Uh, arresting opening, says says Kate. Nothing that rises above cliche for me, says Steve. Fast and Furious beginning to this, says Kate. Vicky says, lots of characters at the beginning of chapter one. I'm not sure that's praise. Galadriel, perhaps we're going to chapter one, I agree. 
Eva says, betrayed, overused word, Vagabond Heart. This jumps about way too much for me. And Annie says, not sure if he should have... Oh, it's just gone. I don't know. I've just lost it. Sorry. But it's all there. If you freeze frame it, you'll, you'll see. Um, Lee, please. Yeah, I kind of agree. I'm sort of a bit confused. It's jumping around a little bit. Um, I liked the blurb, I, apart from the fact that I didn't really know who the character was. So he's a, he's a captain of a submarine, but I would have liked to have known his name, so to give me some context. Um, and then this prologue, okay, so that kind of felt a little cliché. Um, I understand where it's coming from, but I felt that that just probably didn't need to be there. I would have started with chapter mm. one, and I mm. liked the beginning of chapter one. I thought, aha, here we go. Here we go. This is starting right in the action. And then I got confused. We're going jumping back again to the beginning of the wedding. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think we need some – it just needs sorting. It just needs the chronology sorted a little yes. bit better. So I, I'm, I'm just a little confused, Sam. I'm just not quite sure where we are. Um, maybe – yeah, just just start from the action and carry on instead of jumping us back to the beginning of the wedding and just just tell, just reveal who's at the wedding and who's died or what's yeah. happened from there. Yeah. Um, I don't. You can you can sort the what happened the day before, and that point of view. It's jumping around. So we're mm. in now. We're in. We. I don't know. We sort of jumped into the brides the bride's head for a little bit there. So yeah, um, <laughs> the bride's head yeah. revisited. <laughs> there's promise but i just think it needs a bit of tidying up before it before you put it out in august sam um yeah otherwise I you might lose your readers i totally agree I, I think i think you're absolutely right there lee um numbers please um yeah i think three i think it can be done but it just needs a bit of work you're very kind-hearted lee I don't think Jeff's going to give it that much, but I might be wrong. Uh, I did. I have, what Lee was saying actually it did jump around all over the place, really, and I found some. It, I actually quite liked the first prologue bit. I thought it was the, the better bit of the, of the three. Mm. Um, they got into the blood, you know, the, the assassination things, and then we went oh. back again to the day started, and it was just it, it was disjointed. There was also a couple of um, type typos. Really, there's Uffingham and Uppington. On the same plane, yeah. two different spellings. Yeah. Of so yeah. you, you need to really just submit something, really make sure that's that's in, that's uh, correct. Yeah. Things. But yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think I think there's definitely something in there. There's, there's definitely a story there they put together, but it just doesn't need, as Lee was saying, just mm. put together in the right way and sort it out really. Yeah. So um, in numbers. terms of a number, sorry, I would say two. Two. Yeah. yeah. See, I read your mind. I'm getting very good at this, actually. <laughs> I look at them straight in the eyes, like, oh, yeah, two. Uh, me too. Me too, too. Um, yeah, the prologue was better than the first chapter, but I still don't like prologues. Prologues are not compulsory, you know, Sam. Um, I'm not hooked. So you've got to, you know, you've got to hook me. That's the first thing you've got to do. I'm not really hooked. Um, and it, 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 as Lee says, it does need untangling. Um, uh, yeah, so it's like a lot of submissions we see, actually, awful lot. And you've just got to, you know, you've got to jump out. But also you've got to do the basic work, actually, some basic skills, basic tricks, you know, that, that you can learn and then you can break, break the rules if you want to in interesting, creative ways. But I don't, I don't get that feeling that you've, you've done that work so far. Sorry. 
Sounds awfully condescending. <gasps> Slap on the wrist for me. Um, okay, so let's look at the score before we go to our final submission of the day. I think I did sound condescending. I hate that. <sighs> I depress myself now. I do not want to be condescending. I'll tell you what. Let's have a look at the last sub of the day. It's from Jeff. It's historical fiction. The first American hero. Wynne lives as his people have lived for centuries since crossing the Bering Strait, hunting and fishing in the summers, <coughs> excuse me, and hunkering down. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> there we go. And hunkering down during the long, cold winters until the day that his daughter is kidnapped by a passing tribe. Wynne sets out to bring her back. That first step begins an eight-year journey as Wynne battles saber-toothed tigers and prehistoric bears, survives crippling winters, and finally finds his daughter on the Pacific coast. The only thing left is to make it home alive. Let me tell you about Jeff. Very short and simple. I have a BA in psychology, a BSc and PhD in biology. It sounds like Gilbert and Sullivan, doesn't it? I think Jeff can do Gilbert and Sullivan, BA in psychology. You know, um, and have been published in Blackheart Magazine, Cobalt Review, Yellow Mama, doing all the colours here, Unoya uh, Review and Apocrypha and Abstractions. That's fantastic. You want a fantastic reading? It means K. The first page. The First American Hero by Jeff Houlihan, read by Kay. His daughter was gone. Their scent had almost disappeared. Wynne raised his head, testing the air, catching the last trace of almost men, a little like his people, but sour and coloured brown and grey. He could see where they had passed, their heels sinking into the soil, squeezing the moisture to the surface in thin, dark crescents. There had been many of them, more than the fingers on both hands, perhaps as many as the fingers of two men. They hadn't paused, scooping her as they passed. He could see where she had piled leaves and moss to sit and maybe to doze, and he could also see where the pile had been kicked aside, her feet dragging and scattering leaves as she was snatched from the ground and carried away. She would have called out, but she was small. She had only seen four crack waters. Her voice would not have carried and they would have stifled her quickly with a hand over her mouth or a twist of her neck. He looked back across the lake to where he had stood, tracking what had come to drink from the lake, what had made it through the long cold times. He had followed the back trail of a two-tooth and a family of face horns and couldn't remember if he'd checked for Sheen each time he had returned from the forest to the lake shore. But he was certain of one thing. The last time the smudge of tan and ochre had been gone. His camp was too far, it would take too long to return and gather help. He and Sheen had travelled further than Sheen could walk. He had carried her on his shoulders for much of the trip, loping among the giant ribbed high-crowned trees and mossied stones and boulders, her feet light as dry leaves bouncing against his shoulders. They had stopped twice to eat some of the cured meat that Wynne carried in the pouch at his waist next to his short stone. There were no berries yet. It had only been a hand of sun since the water had ceased to be slick and hard around the lake's edge at sunup. So they had eaten only the meat. 
Sheen had been too excited to eat more than a scrap or two. So much was new to her. She would be hungry now. Wind took their trail. The almost men did not cover their tracks, either because there were too many of them or because they were unafraid. There had long been rumours that there were others. Others like him, but not exactly. Ta had seen footprints when he had followed a wounded face horn for a hand of sons. Or so he had said. The rest of the tribe had laughed, saying that Ta had circled and found his own steps, but Wynne thought differently. Wynne had seen the truth in his eyes. They were easy to follow. Wynne fought the urge to run hard, to chase them like he would a wounded animal crashing through the bush. They were far ahead of him, maybe further ahead than he could make up while this sun was in the sky. He would need to be patient. He must arrive quietly and able to fight and able to run. And if there was no reason to bring Sheen with him, then he must be strong enough to kill each of them, every one, to crush every head like a berry beneath a stone, to watch life pour from their eyes and ears and mouths, to show them their last moon, their last sun, their last breath, to deny them the last sweet taste of water on their tongue, to watch their eyes cloud grey as smoke. He wished he had brought his long stone, but there had been no time. The short stone at his waist would have to be enough. Generally positive reaction in the chat room, the genius room, as I should say. Although Ali, I think, put her finger on, and at least put my finger on it, because I, we have uh, the same finger, <laughs> um, where she's uh, telling entirely. And I, I felt that, but I don't know what you thought, Jeff. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it actually. I thought it flowed quite well, quite most nicely. I was a bit confused by the were almost men and f face face horns and what well, those yeah. actually were. I presume that we explain later. Mm. Um, but see, so, yeah, so if you're going to put something in there, just try and give it a bit of a description behind it, what it is. Yeah. Um, but I think it flowed nicely. It's a nice storyline line beyond there. Um, I think it was I think towards the end though, it's um, I think it was, it was a paragraph right at the end where it's gone about it was to do something to particular people. I think that could have been cut down completely. So I want to get I want to kill them basically. Um, I tell them there's such a matter of words in there. Um, but yes, I'm, I did like it. So I did Good. like it. Excellent, think. fantastic. And a number, please. Uh, three. Three. Okay, jolly good, Lee. Um, I think I was thrown by the title of First American Hero. I had sort of visions of someone in spandex. So I yes. think that probably <laughs> threw me a little bit. Um, and Expectations. That, 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 yeah, exactly. So the title needs addressing. It really does because it's yeah. not the genre. It's, it's it, There's something not quite right there. Yeah. Um, and the blurb, um, the word prehistoric, you know, if that's if your character win is – someone from prehistoric times then you wouldn't talk about prehistoric bears so that kind of threw me as well mm. and i thought um that I, we didn't need the fact that he found the daughter um and that, that i think that kind of was a little bit going a little bit too far so but getting into this writing which yes it is telling but it is telling from the head of the tracker so yeah. from Wynne's head and i really felt that i want to run I want to go fast and find her, and I can't. I need to be reasoned about this if I'm going to find her. If I, I, I if I'm going to make it and save her, I need to save my energy. I really did feel that. So actually, I really loved it. I loved the world building aspect of it, and the writing was beautiful. 
the, the neologisms are actually very clever and we kind of know that this is a, a prehistoric period and these are the terms that we use for these things and you know, yes, they'll be, I hope, expanded on later. So actually, I think this had lots of potential. Um, a little bit a little bit too telly, but um, that can be fixed. I, I, I liked this. Yeah, Okay, okay, okay. A number would be? Four. Yes. I, I knew it. I intuited it. Uh, yes, it went, we got a four from the <laughs> YouTube as well, which is not bad. Um Lex is, is getting off on this, he, but he's very torn. He likes the archaeology and the world building. A lot of telling, a lot of extra words. Cuts down the paragraphs by half and they could still work, he says. Um, I think, <clears throat> for what it's worth, um, I think I'd like it I'd like it to be even more vivid. I'm, I'm not invested enough in the protagonist. Um, I do feel there's a lot of telling going on i don't think we're talking about prehistoric i would say me mesolithic are we not possibly Ooh. i'm not sure but you know i mean that that just raises a slight alarm bell although a lot of it does feel as if you have done your research properly um i think one of the the, the problems barring access to the big big wider general reader market here is that it's just such a long time ago and who cares basically and that's the battle you've got to fight to begin with if you want to break out to the the bigger readership um you, you know, we, we tend to be incredibly snobbish i think these days about our forebears and we think that you know we are so advanced and so sophisticated actually when it boils down to it, the same issues they had the same central core emotional issues they had we have too so we have to get you know you can identify it's a bit of a struggle you you've got to stop us from being patronizing to our past our history and you've got to make these characters absolutely pop into vivid three-dimensional life you probably can do that after a, a chapter or two i don't know but you but there's something there that, that i think you've got to connect right at the beginning um there are people just like us and you've got to you've got to awaken that um Werner herzog did it brilliantly actually one of his films but don't let me get too di um, discursive so we're into ursula le guin michelle paver dare i say territory here which obviously interests me a lot um on the basis of what i've seen though and absolutely rightly i totally agree with your comment about the title it's a three from me it's a three from me now then at the end of uh, i think rather a super edition actually didn't we start off well with ali's reading of, of marin's thinner than water um just waiting for the the final 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 score to shine from me there we go so actually that that for you actually jeff was that's according to the the combined vote of everybody that's that's the second favorite submission of the day it's not bad um i think it's been a, a terrific show today make your pop-up submission oh, is this one? Is <laughs> so i i did check actually before the show i did sort of check to tell you what the backlog is and it's not good news um it's kind of we're at the end of august at the moment so if you want to make a priority submission that's your best bet to get on at a reasonable length of time we will be doing something quite soon that will actually i think help us to to speed up in terms of uh, the backlog but end of august is not really acceptable at the moment but that's what it is we will work on it um let's see what you can do Make your pop-up submission. I'll just talk to you. Subs. Getting too excited, pressing the wrong buttons. Here we go. <laughs> 
Now then, now then, now then, Jeff, you have voted as you see in front of you. If you so wish, you can change one of your your votes up or down. No, I'm fine, thanks. That's, that's You're going to stick. As we are. Yeah, fine. A man of his word, Lee. Do you want the option? Yeah. No, I think that's pretty. That's pretty consistent. I think. I think so with, too. You know, that's fine. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Don't forget to vote on today's show. You have the last word now. You can vote the next six and a half days. That's where you go. Please do. It means a lot to us and to our authors. I want to say thank you so much to everyone, Lee particularly, whose wonderful debut collection, Grotesque Monster Stories, is out now. See you next week. Thank you.